good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton, one of your hosts for our show, Returning to Eden. We appreciate you joining us this evening. And, of course, my co-host, De- Deanna Dye. Dr. Dye is out there in the, uh, in the state of New Mexico. Hi, Deanna. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I hope you are the same. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, we were talking earlier. I'm a little busy, but I am fighting my way through. But things are good. Weather's great. My grandkids are wonderful, so I have I can't complain. Yeah, and uh, I've had uh, I've had an incredible couple of days. I'm busy, busy, busy. But uh, you know, we we really do look forward to this kind of doing this show is like a little break for us. Yeah. Where we get to have a little fun and we get to communicate with each other and we get to share our thoughts and and what we're we're all about with all of you people. So we're really really excited to have you here and. Uh, Tonight we're going we're going to be sticking in we're going to be staying in in Genesis one we're just going to bring uh, the Gospel of John with us. Odina's <laughs> <laughs> going to be talking about a few things, uh, and I'm kind of eager to hear what she's going to share because I haven't heard it. We've been uh, we're we're kind of taking a look in the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John, and Dina. Um, I will let you uh, go ahead and just kind of warm us up to what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the things we have to be careful of, you know, uh, as we're pulling out concepts and understanding the kingdom, and of course we find all that in Genesis chapter one, and certainly uh, the first five chapters of Genesis. But we cannot forget the the culmination of the kingdom and the fruit of the kingdom in the gospels and the epistles. Yes. Uh, we, as I see stuff posted on Facebook and other places, it, it just makes my skin crawl to think that. We are so obsessed with knowledge and finding the deep meaning and thinking we're, you know, too smart by half and forgetting the whole message of the Bible is is about the kingdom. But, you know, if you're going to have a kingdom, you got to have a king. And you got to have a king, he's got to be seated on the throne ruling over his empire. Well, that king is Yeshua the Messiah. So the, everything is leading to that. So John, the book of John really encapsulates that. Of course, it you know, we go through the the process of his suffering and his death and his resurrection. But I just don't want us to forget, you know, we can't stay stuck in the first part of the book. You know, it all connects. And so the the effort tonight was to try to show people and I would I would suggest anyone who's reading the gospels and the epistles, and especially with the information we've been imparting over the last, you know, how many ever months that they begin to look at the Gospels and the Epistles from those eyes, kingdom eyes. So things that we've shared and concepts hopefully will help them uh, dig deeper. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do tonight. And just, again, just caution people with the knowledge thing and getting lost in all this side stuff. And let's just focus on the king. (laughs) That's what it's about. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter of Genesis in detail, but uh, we've talked about in the beginning, not meaning uh, it's not a chronology, but it is God building a house, and that is basically what Genesis is all about. And as we we know that there are six days of this building, this construction going on, as he you know separates the water, separates the light, and that is one of the definitions of creation is to divide or to separate in order to bring together. So we, you know, we separate the seas from the ground. Uh, we separate out uh, the sun, the moon, the stars, all that sort of thing. The sea, you know, the what's um, in the 
in the seas, the uh, the birds, all that kind of stuff, through the six days, and of course on the sixth day, and this is what's important here, on the sixth day, God makes man in his image. So that's going to relate to what, what happens when we get to, to uh, the book of John. And of course the message constantly uh, of the seed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That That's the bottom line message, and that's the same thing that we're going to see in John. So we come to the conclusion of, of Genesis chapter 1, and what do we have stated now that we're on the seventh day, right? Which we talked about a lot. It's the Shabbat, it's the rest, and that the concept of rest has to do with a king seated on the throne, ruling and reigning. Now let me just mention from Genesis chapter 1, it all starts out by a covenant being made, if you will, between heaven and earth. So they're brought together to create life, if you will. So this concept of the heavens and earth in a covenant kind of triggers things of marriage, the marriage covenant. So I'm just I'm laying this out so that you'll be able to see it when we get to John. So John, uh, excuse me, Genesis chapter two starts out with the heavens and the earth completed, kalah is in a marriage, and they become one, and that's the restoration of the seventh. And then verse uh, chapter 2, verse 4, talks about these are the toldot, which means the, uh, the children that come forth from the heavens and the earth when they were created. Very interesting uh, description of looking at the, the unity of heaven and earth. So really, in the end, everything's all about the unity of heaven and earth. Now, when heaven and earth are separated, if you will, in this covenant-like thing, there's something that's put in between them so that they still have a connection between one another. So we look at heaven, it's up there, and earth is down here. What is the thing that's in between the two? What have we been talking about forever? It's a temple. Mm -hmm. It's a house. It's the place where the two spheres can come together and meet, even though they don't because one represents the material world we live in and the other the world outside of time. But that that place in the middle is the temple, is the house, where the two spheres come together. Would you you want to comment on that? You no, know, no. I mean, for those of you who've, who've been following us for just about a year now, um, <clears throat> we've been talking about this for just about a year now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> December. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like, you know, in order for two things to come together, they have to be joined together, like a man and a woman, the ring. There's a whole other teaching. There's probably 10,000 teachings on that. But they all come from this one aspect of the two becoming one. And so, Dina, I don't want to belabor the point. I'm kind of eager to hear where you're going with this myself. Okay. So, so we'll pop, you know, I mean, I think most people have read John, know John. I mean, every, doesn't everybody not know the very first verse in John? Can we recite it? In the beginning was the word. So isn't it interesting that Genesis starts in the beginning, and so does John in the beginning. But the point here is that we're not talking about in the beginning as a chronology. This is not some spot on the timeline or before the timeline begins. In the beginning is a house. So now we're going to look at this. There's this seed house thing happening in the beginning in John. and. Uh, so the word in Greek, uh, word, <laughs> is logos. The word was with God, the word was God. So that's that's gets called the logos. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew word is the devar. 
And what's interesting, I think, about the word Devar is that happens to be one of the names of the Holy of Holies. It's called the Devar because that's where God speaks, or that's where his word goes forth from. So now we have his word going forth from the Holy of Holies. Yes, sir. So um, so Dina mentioned that you kind of have to see the Bible from the lens of the writer. And what she just said, this would have been his, his reality. It would, have, it would have been, I wouldn't need to explain to John what a computer was or to Yokona. He would have understood this as being the place of the temple or the house or the bar. He would, he would not have needed some scholar on Facebook to explain this to him. This was the reality of the world. And, and we have to keep you in that mindset so that this becomes fluid. Uh, and, and, and I just want to remind people, try to see this from John's eyes, a Jewish man who would not have had to have this explained to him. Go ahead, Dana, please. Right. And, yeah, and, and John, this, the book of John... Uh, it is interesting when we look at the life of Yeshua because basically he's in two places. He's either in Jerusalem at the temple or he's at the Galilee. I mean, yeah. he is in other places. I'm not going to argue that. But those are the two kind of places he keeps going to. So, in fact, the word Galilee comes from the word the root gall, which means a circuit. So he's constantly making the circuit. And in in, the, in their world, when you went up to Jerusalem and you went up to the temple, it was as though you were going to heaven. Hmm. So every time they went up to the temple, the, the concept for them is they were entering in, into heaven, you know, where, God, where God's presence was. So we see this sort of circuit, if you will, between heaven and earth. Like the Galilee, you know, going back to that and that very agricultural place with the with the wall, you know, things grew there. Like they said in the first century, everything grew there: figs and pomegranates and olives, etc. Yes. Dina, I have a question. Would they? Do you think that they would have had the concept of heaven, or would they have had the concept of Eden? That's I yeah, that is an interesting question. I think it would depend. Like, so, for instance, uh, because there were so many different groups, I would suggest that, like, the Qumran community would have seen it as, go, as, as Eden because so much of the Dead Sea Scrolls talk about it in, in those terms. But then, you know, you've got your political factions, your, you know, Sakari groups and all these other, I mean, Lord you've knows what the they lost. thought. Yeah. <laughs> you've got the so, lost and you know, as many groups as there are, there was probably that many views of what that experience was going up to the temple. I mean, the, the, the people that ran the temple, the, you know, the temple elites didn't look at it as heaven. They just looked at it as their, you know, fiefdom that they controlled. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but the reality was, because we talked about what is the temple, the temple is the connecting place between heaven and earth. So that's the place you went, and you always went up to connect to, to heaven. So the idea was that you were enter, entering that sphere. And I, I want to remind people, this wasn't just about the Temple of Israel. This was the temple concept in general. Uh, all the yeah. rest of them are facsimiles of the one that God laid out. So all of the temples kind of had this understanding, but the groundwork for all of them came from the God of Israel. I want to point that out and keep yeah. us in that place, okay? But go ahead, Dina. 
Yeah, so, you know, so the Word was represented by the Holy of Holies, and so what is in the Holy of Holies? Now, there, it was not in the, the Second Temple, but the Ark of the Covenant there, which represented the Word of God, the Torah of God. And we know that Yeshua was identified with that. And so that's, that's where the name came from, because the, that was the oracles of God. So in, this, in that uh, time, you, of course, you had the oracles of Delphi and you know, all kinds of weird stuff going on. Diana and Apollo and all kinds yeah, of Yeah, all that stuff. But that was the place where you went to hear from your God. Right. So what's unique to me here is that in the ancient world, they had to enter into that sphere where the God was to hear from the God. So they had to go to Delphi and you know, they had to go sit there and <laughs> do crazy stuff to hear from the God. I just got to say this, okay? Okay. Because there was no other gods, folks. Now listen carefully. I got to make this quick. Because there were no other gods, there were no other gods. We know that, okay? So chances are you went and sat and talked to a man in a little booth. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> who lorded himself over all of the rest of the people, except in the instance of the God of Israel. And that's... Yeah. I think that's kind of crucial that we point that out. Yeah. Well, and so only the very special elite initiated could enter into that sphere. But what this is saying is that, you know, here's the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Yes. That word is coming out from that sphere to the people. Like, this is dramatic. This was 180 degrees opposite of what they would have expected, that the word of God, you know, took on flesh and, and tabernacled in their midst. So the, the, the seed of God, the word of God, didn't stay in this uh, sacred space. It came out to the people. And so that, you know, that's the very thing that's being said here. I think it's kind of profound. And then it talks about in him was life. And I really want you, and the life, that life was the light of men. And I want you to share what you were sharing before we started the program about what you realized about the concept of death and life. Because that fits in nicely here. This, yes. this is how it was supposed to be. This this one who took on flesh and tabernacled among us was life that came out from the Holy of Holies. Well, what Dana's referencing, and we talked about this, uh, you know, before the show, but some of you have been following me on Facebook. It occurred to me a couple of days ago that death was inserted into life. It is not the opposite of life. It is a curse. It was inserted because of the behavior of man not protecting life. Life was essential. That was the reason. It's the reason we're all here. That's the reason babies are born. That's the reason the planet's here. So it was all about life. And we have a God who is benevolent and he serves life. His goal is life. Death is a curse. It is not the opposite of life. And this hit me this week and I'm going, oh my God. So Death is, and Dina, I mentioned earlier on Facebook that when you started talking about death being you're removed from time, that makes perfect sense because life is eternal, death is a curse. It's not life and death, life and death. No, life and the curse, life and the yeah. curse. Think yeah. of it that way because once you experience the curse, life doesn't stop. Right. You're just removed from this body that we're in in the same way that the Messiah was removed from the body that he was in. And really the victory is in the resurrection. So life didn't end when the Messiah died. And that's the point. 
Yeah. He experienced the curse. Yeah. Not yep. the finality of existence. Right. Exactly very, very right. important. Go ahead. I Neil. agree. Okay, so what I'm going to do now, uh, because I don't have time to go, in, we'll probably next week we'll go back and talk about some of these things, but I want to give you the overall structure. So in Genesis chapter 1, you know, the whole light thing was day one, one day, Yom Echad. So let's just say for our argument's sake, we, we have in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. So now we have, just if we're looking at the Genesis 1 pattern, this is day one, okay? You with me? Now we know Genesis six days and on the seventh day. So follow me along here. If you were to go now, uh, when we go into John's testimony, etc., and he and they ask who he was, I don't want to talk about that just yet. But when we get to 129, it says the next day. So if we're looking at the Genesis pattern, let's just look at the next day as day, as being day two, right? And we'll talk more about that next next time. And it is interesting because on day two. The water above is separated from the water below, and what do we have in here? We have Yeshua being immersed in water, just as an aside. Okay. I, I actually see where you're going now. Okay, so if we go to 135, John 135, it says again the next day. So now that would be day three, right? Okay, the, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. So now we're at day three. Day three was when the, the waters separated and dry land appeared and the sprout came forth out of the dry land and, and created and came became a tree, if you will. Now we go down, uh, John 1.43, and it says once again, the next day. So where are we? Now we're on day four of creation, when the sun, the moon, and the stars are created. And again, we'll talk about that later. Wait, wait, and then, what was the verse? Because I... I got stuck oh. reading. I was reading uh, the two, John's two witnesses. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going, yeah. oh, my God, there's the two witnesses. Yeah. Go ahead. So 143 is the next day, and that takes us to the fourth day of creation. Okay. Okay. Now, when we go, we're going to finish up John chapter 1, and it will say, now the, the translations are different. Remember, we're on the fourth day, so now it'll say on the third day, or it'll say in two more days, or something along those lines. But if we, we are basically on the seventh day. Hmm. See, we're at the fourth day. We had it's three more days, so we're on the seventh day. And what is there? There is a wedding in Cana, exactly what we had in Genesis chapter two, verse one. We have the Shabbat, and then we have the heavens and the earth are kalah, or become one. And so the whole story or the whole wedding thing here has to do with the restoration of the heavens and the earth and the restoration you see that you no longer need a temple you no longer need this house because there's the marriage and everything has been restored we have the bride and the bridegroom and all that sort of thing so that's our little pattern here how John perfectly mirrors uh, Genesis chapter 1 into 2 it's, al it's almost identical well, I'm just I'm I'm stunned. I I I've never seen this Dina before. This is but see, I understand how the Bible's written, so this yes. doesn't surprise me. Yes, just, John is. This is what he he. I mean, he gets it. Their their whole foundation, of course, is Genesis. You know, the, the creation, and so everything's creation. What I find fascinating is how these are guys just writing, guys like almost Talmudic writing towards the end of their lives. And what they don't realize, or maybe they do realize, is that 
their 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 lives are becoming the words mm -hmm. in Genesis one two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their lives are representing the activity of Genesis one. It's mind blowing. Yes. That this and is so, like, good, go. Yeah, and and so in this, you know, so the the Yeshua basically becomes the temple. He becomes the connecting place between heaven and earth. So this whole wedding thing and turning the water into wine has to do with, with that relationship of him becoming the temple, the place of the presence of God. And so when he dies, that same thing is handed off to his Talmudim. So we, you know, we throw around, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't even really get what's going on here, but we are the unity of the kingdom coming together, of heaven and earth coming together and being restored in us as we walk through, you know, walk this out. So this is all very much uh, what I'm trying to get to is kingdom language here. Now, um, let me just go, well, let's just look at this last section here, you know, starting in verse 43. And so we have, you know, Philip comes along and he, he brings his buddy Nathaniel and they say they've found, you know, Moses, the, the one in the Torah, the one the prophets, etc. talked about. And, uh, you know, they say, uh, Nathaniel says, oh, Yeshua's from Nazareth, can anything good come from there? But yet Yeshua responds to him that you are a true Israelite and in whom there is nothing false. And I've, I've thought about that, you know, like, what that's a pretty random statement what on earth you know what is he seeing of course he sees him under the fig tree and I have a whole teaching on the fig tree that the fig tree basically represented kings and in particular the kings of Judah but think about this you've got two kingdoms the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of kingdoms of this world at that particular time who's running the show it's Caesar who was also called the son of God and then here we have you know, these guys, Nathaniel calling Yeshua, you are the son of God. Like we've got this, this contrast going between these two kingdoms. One kingdom, the kingdoms of this world, the rulers of this world, the number one thing that they do is they lie. Like there is no truth in the kingdoms of this world. I mean, just look at the government today, you know. And so yet he's, he's making the statement that this guy is the true Israelite because in him is pure truth. He is truly walking in the kingdom. So as our, this is one of the things I want to leave people with. If we are truly in the kingdom, I think the number one attribute in our lives needs to be truth. And I don't, I'm just seeing a lot of people walking around. I mean, we don't look a whole lot different than, you know, the news media, for heaven's sakes. But truth. That's <laughs> true. Go to Facebook <laughs> Walter Cronkite, and he'll be wearing a tallit. Oh Everything God. about our lives should mirror truth, because there is objective truth. You know, it's not relative, and we live in a world now that you know of a hundred percent relativity. It's not relative; it's truth, and you can't, you know. And this yeah, is what he was saying was, about Nathaniel. Was, what did you? <laughs> okay, for all you Facebook people that want to be teachers, you sound like. Um, ABC, CBS, and NBC. <laughs> and, uh, I think Dina just made a comparison between you and them. And I remember two years ago, I went, I got to get out of this nut hut. But that's so true. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought. No, we no. only got a few minutes. We got six minutes left. We'll have to do this again next week. But but Dina, that's that's 
we just sound like a, the the very thing that I complain about the most to this lecherous news media in the United States of America. But you go on Facebook and it's it's just got Bible script now. Yeah, exactly. It's, That's a great description of the lunacy on Facebook. Yeah. And so this is where I want people to think about their lives and what they reflect. And it oh needs to be, it need, our lives need to reflect truth. And on, there's no room for falsehood and, and lies. We can't be just like them. That's pretty good. I, uh, well, two things I, I want to just kind of mention. I'm, folks, you have to understand something. I understand this stuff. So right now I'm having a little moment of euphoria and epiphany, and I don't really know where to go with this because I've never seen that. I've never seen the days in the Bible. And, and of course, when we're talking about days, guys, in the beginning, we're not talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're talking about events, function and purpose. And uh, she just laid, Dina just laid out the very, this is, this is hard. I mean, some people will look at this like, like a deer in the headlights, and it just goes right over their head. But I get this. Yeah, I mean, God it's is the messenger, and he's he's repeating the very words of Genesis one, and he's repeating yeah. it. And what I'd like to suggest, I mean, he he's not just the messenger; he is the herald of the king who is coming. Yes. You know, I want to put everything back into kingdom language, yes. and so he is—he is the herald. You know, long live the king! Here comes the king. Well, you know? when I was when I was studying ancient Near East covenant treaty law and then reading the, the Gospel of John, I began to see that he was like this guy who stood in front of the whole world and rolled up, opened the scroll, and said, "Hear ye, hear ye! Yes. The king is here." And the kingdom is here, and he's making a royal announcement. And that's, that's what right. makes the Gospel of John so much different than the other three. Well, and and when Yeshua says, follow me, it's not like, okay, I'm walking this way, you know, walk on behind me. What follow me means, become my attendant. Yes. So oh, that's what he's goodness. saying. That's what he's saying to us. You know, we are heralds, and we are his attendants in this world, in this kingdom. And that's what he's saying to, you know, Nathaniel and Philip, etc. Come be my attendant. He's acknowledging them as citizens of the kingdom. Yes. And he's giving them a commission, which they gladly accept at, at great harm to themselves. But he's giving them a commission in the world that is ruled by liars and lecherous. Yes. And he's saying, That's the number me. one attribute of the world, liars. Yes. Yeah. It's true. I mean, it yeah. didn't change, folks. Just because we're the millennial age changed in the year 2000, if nothing, <laughs> I'll tell you what actually happened. The liars are now front page media. Yeah, right. Uh, they're, they're all there. I mean, they're, they, they, they walk around with neon lights saying, I lie. I'm, I'm a lie. And you know what? I love how Daniel McGurr and, and several others talk about shame and honor, and people don't realize that the culture we're talking about, that was a big thing. Yeah, In fact, yeah. They took Yeshua outside of the city gate to publicly shame him right. because that was a big thing. And yet the people that we're talking about, they're doing everything they can to keep from being shamed. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's what exposes them. But ultimately, this is really good, Dina. We're going to have to talk about this again next week. Well, that's what I mean. I wanted to make sure I got to the structure of it so we didn't, you know, because 
if I went through the verses, we would never get there. But this is a really, I mean, the, the pattern lines up perfectly. And so John is a very unique book in this regard. The other three Gospels tend to be more sort of witness accounts to events that happen. John's on a whole nother level. And then isn't that always the book when you go, you know, you get saved in church and the, the, the preacher goes, you know, go home and read the book of John. I mean, how on earth, this is the last book you should probably read. I mean, you should read it. But you know what I'm saying? There's no way you could ever grasp this without the foundation that comes, comes from Genesis right. uh, chapter 1 and 2. Well, you can't make the connections. I was talking to a, 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 a new person in my life, a Christian woman, and uh, she loves the Lord. We prayed, and I, I just love her faith. But as I was talking about this, it's like um, it's like trying to have a conversation with um, with a person in the same language that um, what's that show, Mork and Mindy? <laughs> yeah. Robin Williams yeah. used to speak this this right. language because he was from another planet. And that's kind of what it feels like because we, we're so disconnected from the world that presented this information to us. Yeah, yeah. Dina, we're out of time. Okay, well, we got, we got started and we'll, we'll go back into this next week. Folks, there you have it, Jeff and Dina. <laughs> not Mark and Mindy. <laughs> this is, yeah, not Mark and Mindy. <laughs> this is so much fun and uh, I just love studying and learning and uh, and fellowshipping with you know with with like-minded people, folks. So Amen. again, stop arguing and fighting. You look stupid. And, uh, <laughs> and and love one another. And please, whatever you do, honor the women in your lives. And please take care of the children who need help. And so this Amen. is Jeffrey and I. God bless you guys. God we'll bless. Bye bye. Shalom. Shalom. <laughs>